Just close your eyes and repeat after me. Jesus, silence every other voice but yours. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and redeemer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and in my heart, my mind, my soul, my will, and my emotion as it is in heaven. Amen. My name's Ben. Hi. Hi. Did you ever know that kid in elementary school who had the audacity to eat dessert first before he actually ate the lunch? Do you remember that kid in the lunchroom? That kid is a genius. It's kind of like this place. You eat dessert first, and then you listen to somebody speak. And so dessert is worship. That's where the wonderful and important beyond words transactions happen as you sit before the Lord and you do business with him. The other way of saying that is if this thing really tanks, it's all Brent's fault because he probably set this up, okay? <laughs> yeah. I am a teacher and explainer of things. The domains in which I teach and explain things, some are very boring, um, some are somewhat interesting. Uh, I've been in the insurance business for a long, long time, and I've recently started some new ventures in the blockchain space, and so those are two very different things, and what I have always gravitated towards is understanding and teaching and explaining things. So that's what we are doing here. Like any good teacher, I do have some prompts. Uh, audience participation uh, will be a part of it because a message tends to be absorbed and remembered when you are a part of it. So what we're going to talk about today We're going to talk about value. I even have different colors because that's what was in the bowl that I was in desperation to find this morning where I know these things are and I knew that if one didn't work, I had plan B, C, and D. If they did, I might be able to use some colors on this board. So, if you'd like a title for your notes, it's going to be value and invisible. I N V I S I. You ever do that thing where you're like so confident in something and then you look at it, then you're like, I don't know if I did that right. All right, here's my one disclaimer. Uh, my penmanship stinks, so just if you have any questions on what's on the board, let me know. Thank you. I'm going to move this like that. So we're going to talk about value and invisible influences. If you reference the scriptures, uh, I'm going to set this down just for a minute because I will totally forget. If you take a look at uh, Matthew chapter 13, 
I'm going to pull that out and look it up. You are free to do so as well. I'm reading uh, for this passage from uh, the ESV, Matthew 13, 44. God's kingdom, oh, that's in the MSG. Thirteen forty-four. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. I want you to think just for this portion of just the word value. If a man finds something that is hidden, he has obviously come to the conclusion that what he just found is more valuable than everything else. So it prompts him to think, say, and do something but that is predicated upon the value that he just discovered. Again, the kingdom of heaven, this is verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What I'd like you to think about, this is going to get confusing, but then it will get clear. And if you're a note taker, you can write it down like this. There's the text. There's the subtext. There's a narrative. There's a meta narrative. So text, subtext. I'll write this down in a second. Narrative and meta narrative. I'll give you an example. Anybody ever heard the phrase? You probably have. Yeah, well, you just need to read between the lines, right? What, what, is, what does somebody mean when they say, well, you just need to read between the lines? Firsthand. I don't have any candy, but we're going to sit here until like 2 o'clock if somebody doesn't say something and everybody's going to get hangry and then it's just over. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry? Meaning. Hidden meaning, Okay. All right, what are other ideas? That's, yes, ma'am. The essence of it, okay, hidden meaning, the essence of it. Anything else? Implication. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that one. So hidden meaning, the essence of it, and the implication of something. So none of that, everything that you just said is not in the text. It, it's, it's not what is in print in this way of explaining it. There are thousands of times every day that we each step into something where there is text. I'll give you an example from my own life. I'm sitting in a business meeting and we're talking about how to solve a problem. And then the person starts speaking where everyone in the room knows you have no credibility and nobody listens to you for one reason or another, but they're always talking because they think their ideas are great, but they're super immature, so nobody's actually listening to them, but they think because they post on Facebook and they really believe this that they have actual power and influence, but they don't. Anybody ever known a person like that? Yeah, probably. Hopefully it's not you. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's the other person. But the, the text of that example is just what's going on in the meeting. We're just trying to solve a problem. Here's some ideas. Let's troubleshoot this, da-da-da-da-da. But then the subtext, when that individual begins speaking, is everybody's going, oh, no, we can't, we can't have them run to try and solve this problem. It's just going to really – so my point is now I want you to think of the phrase or two words, invisible influences. So we've got these valu this value when something is of great value, it prompts all of us to think, say, and do something that we weren't doing before because, and here's what I want you to understand, 
everything is attracted to value. Currency, money, is attracted to value. Think of any professional domain. So Robert is an architect. If, if he was a bad architect, people wouldn't hire him. Like that's just the, they, they are exchanging currency for value because of what he is thinking, saying, and doing. They, they are, there is a transaction that happens. And what's interesting and what Jesus is talking about, there's commerce going on. Somebody has to buy something and somebody has to sell something. So as you think of power and authority, the, the reason why power, which is really just the ability to influence, that's what power really is when you boil it all down. It's influencing someone or something towards a particular goal. You, power can be wielded appropriately, correctly. It can be submitted to the kingdom of heaven and the invisible influences there, right? What I want your brain to start going it on the next thought is we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but... Okay, what's the address on that verse? I've, I've actually forgotten it. What is it? You're all mumbling. It's okay. Just Google it real quick, and then we'll get somewhere. You got the address, Brent? What is it? Ephesians 6? Okay. Will you, will you stand up and just read that real quick? You don't even have to come to the mic. You know how to project. Well, I know, but, but, but I'm in control. I have power and influence at this moment. So, you know, Ephesians 12. Okay, you're, you're, you're much more lovely than Brent. Yeah, Brent, you're out. Okay, so another way of saying that is these forces, these powers, these authorities are not seen by the human eye. They are unseen, but they are extremely influential according to that verse. And, and the reason why I want you to go back to Text, subtext, narrative, meta-narrative. Okay, so let's do text, subtext. Oh, I get to use colors, which is, which is really exciting. I sense your enthusiasm. Yes, and you probably can't really read that. I, I get it. Okay. Value and invisible influence. Text, subtext, meta-narrative, narrative. Text versus subtext. This text is just what's going on, what's printed, what's, what's said. And then there's the subtext of that influence, that essence. There's things that are really moving what is said. To get to the subtext of something, you are going to have to be able to identify value, and you're also going to be able to have to assess what those invisible influences are that are affecting that particular situation. And it is outside of our ability to be able to do this on our own. So the Spirit was sent as a helper to be inside of us so that we are able to identify with wisdom and discretion and discernment and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those kinds of things to be able to discern and see what's really going on here. So... 
in, in the world of consulting, when, whenever you are dealing with a client, or literally if you go to any meeting, or honestly, if you're involved with any person on the face of the earth. How about we just go after literally everything under the sun? I'm, I'm a huge believer in framing the issue. People hire me because they have a problem that they can't solve on their own. Or they don't want to. They can't or they don't want to. But they come to me because... I am framing, here's what's going on. Here's what's affecting the situation. Here's where you are. I see it. All of the text, so to speak, of that conversation, they already understood. Like, this stinks. I don't want to do it. I, same why people come to Robert. Same why people come to Brent. They have this, this problem they can't solve on their own, and they need help understanding what it is and what to do about it on a very basic level. And so as we think about the 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 natural realm way of saying this would just be framing the conversation that you're having with another person. Another way of saying that is if you're in business in any capacity, an executive summary of what you have already assessed the problem and you've summarized it, you haven't lengthened it, is one of the biggest values that people exchange currency or authority for. So everything is attracted to value because when you are giving away value, guess what is required of you? You've got to know what you're working with. And if you don't, it's super confusing and unwieldy. When I moved, uh, I've been married to this lovely blonde-haired lady for 18 years. This is Sarah. She just had a birthday. Still celebrating? Yep. 25. That's right. And then the lovely littler lady right there is Annabelle. And I remember her when she was just like this, and this is going to embarrass her. She's 13 now. And then Lad, who not only literally looks like me, is wearing the same shirt as me. He's crushing it over yonder, and Camilla's probably coloring on the walls somewhere. So that's us. But when, when we moved from, we, Sarah and I met um, in Austin, lived there for a couple years, moved to San Antonio in 2009, Annabelle was just a baby, and we were broke. In uh, 2010, is it 2010, 2009, 2010, um, my tax return was $21,000. I had a wife and a kid. Okay, I know what it is to rub two nickels together and not really, I would literally line bills up on my kitchen table because I did not have the capacity to pray for them. And somebody told me, and this is way before um, a, an experiential understanding of some of the particulars of the way the kingdom of heaven moves in the hearts of people, but I would just line bills up and say, in Jesus' name, you're paid. And... There's a whole other series of true stories of how God continued over time to deliver on that with no debt and no bankruptcy. But I didn't have any money, and um, that's not fun. It's just not. And yet, what was of greater value in that place was the things coming out of me that needed to be uprooted. All the things we sit there and go, Lord, make me a vessel. I'm like, man, you're crazy. You know what he's going to, you, you are going to have to walk through the lexicon. You are going to, ha he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You will have enemies and they will be sitting at your table. And depending on the circumstance, they're going to be looking you right in the eye. And he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And so what am I saying in all this? I'm saying that. At that point in time, if I wanted to walk more fully and understand not only my value, which is what he gave me, but the pearl of great price and these invisible influences, I had to walk through a lot of things that um, were not pleasant. And what that was giving to me of greater value was a place of an unmistakable, rock-solid understanding of 
who he made me to be and how I am to grow in wisdom and stature and knowledge with him because he puts these things in us that are of incredible value in a tiny little speck like a mustard seed. And then over time as that begins to be watered and we understand the value, you start to think, say, and do things that you didn't in your past because you were attached to the wrong value and, we, and it is super confusing when the unseen affects the seen and you're going, what is really going on here? I, I, don't, I don't understand how that situation got so sideways. I didn't mean it when that happened. Like, God, I messed this up. Like, and, and then it's just, you're hurting. And I've been there as well. And so as we, it's really plumbing value based upon the seed that he's already put in us. So it's actually a, a, a great example. Sarah and I, just this morning, uh, she was unintentionally helping me um, prepare for this, but we were just having a conversation while we were both getting ready. And we were talking about um, confession with our lips. And when we say confession, what's the first thing that comes to our minds? Right. Okay. So, yes, and so she said sin. So, yes, there, there needs to be uh, anybody, uh, you know, just an absolute fan of Microsoft Word, that function, fine. Like, if you are, you don't have to admit it. Like, it's okay. But do you know that function whenever you're writing a Word document, find and replace? Right. It's like, well, how many words did I misspell this time? Let's go find them, and then we'll, you know, how many times did I use the word the? Like, you find it, and then if you want to replace it with something else. So there's this function inside of this Excel document. It is find and replace. What part of this process of value and invisible influence is finding things that God has put there and finding things that we have and finding things that we haven't that are just macro factors. They could have come from our family line. They could have come from a job situation. They could have come from the invisible influences in terms of the narrative versus the meta narrative, and I'll break that down in just a minute, of angelic forces against us. So, you know, there could be all sorts, my point is, there can be all sorts of things that would be not of God or the kingdom of God that were put there that it's just, it's like sometimes it's like walking around in a dark room, bumping into furniture and going, ow, that really hurt. And I didn't even know that hurt so bad. One of the things that came out of me when I was in probably the most sensitive stage of my life that I didn't even know was there was this. And this is, an example of walking around in a dark room bumping into furniture. I was uh, formerly a professional Christian. I got paid to tell people about Jesus. I didn't get paid very much, and the company that I worked for, I had to raise all my own money. So the joke was on me. I went to work for a company that paid me nothing, and I had to go raise it to tell people about Jesus. And when I left that domain and I went into the marketplace, what I had no idea of is that I expected God to repay me. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Didn't know that was there. Wouldn't have said that. Would have adamantly disagreed if somebody brought that up. Like, <laughs> I've been talking to these kids you made and talking about Jesus. And now I'm doing this other thing. You're not giving me any money. And I didn't even know that that was going on. So <laughs> to say that that was humbling to see in yourself, I was angry. I was angry. I was hurt because I didn't know who, the, who I was. I remember literally, I didn't, I didn't even tell you this, Annabelle, I was, I was driving down Broadway the other day, and I remember we moved to San Antonio Long story short, I didn't have a job. I sensed that God was moving us to San Antonio. And so we said yes, and we moved with no job, and I was broke. And I had 
one kid and one wife. So as a dude, you're feeling just all sorts of things. Most of it is panic and desperation. <laughs> and that's all right, because God works things out in a marriage that you just can't. He just, he just does. He, ju he just works things out in a marriage if you stick in it. And I remember walking down Broadway. I was literally carrying Annabelle. It was um, June in San Antonio, a lovely time of year. And I knew a couple of people, so I just walked in their office. I didn't have anything to do, and I had a kid. I don't know where Sarah was at that moment. She wasn't with me. You weren't, like, goofing off or something. You just didn't happen to be with me as I'm walking down the street. I just decided to walk in people, the two people's offices that I knew with my kid, and just talk to them because I didn't have anything else to do. And, and in the midst of this, I'm wrapped up in, like, I need to be making money. I need to be doing stuff. I need to be doing and I'm wrestling with all these invisible influences that are going on because the text was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind. Your, like, I knew all these things. I memorized all these things. And there were actual parts of me that did believe them, but it was very difficult because my experience, this is where I'm going narrative versus meta-narrative. There's the storyline of, who you are, what you're doing, God's intervention in your, in your life. Thank God that he does that for all of us. And then there's the meta-narrative of the overarching story. So there's what I, the, way, the other way that I would say that is the, the narrative is what you're telling yourself and what those places that are unhealed, unredeemed, that God's light hasn't completely bathed yet as we're in this process of sanctification where those rooms where there are strongholds, whether you put them there, whether the enemy put them there, whether somebody else by their own words put them there. I'll give you an example. Um, until I'm 40, how, am I 42? Yeah. You're 25. <laughs> Sarah's 25. I'm 42. Yep. Heavenly math. One plus two equals five. So until I was about 30, um, the narrative, another way of saying that is the dog that hunted me that nobody knew about. Do you have them? Yep. Can God, because it has more value, he is more valuable, and the things he puts in you are more valuable? Do they usurp? Do they find and replace those narratives that we all have in our head? Yes, they do. Is that messy? You better believe it. Can it happen in an instant? Yes. Can it be a slow process because you're a part of it? And you got stuff you got to work out in the marriage too? Yep. Are both true? Yep. How does it work? Don't know, but it does. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it's over a long process. Because what God is doing, and the rocks will cry out if we do not, what he is building is the kind of person who is equipped, and I don't mean by better action. I mean, he's looking for character to support the giftings that he has put in his children because he's better than you and he's better than me. So it is himself in this seed place that grows over time, just like Paul. He must increase, I must decrease. That, that's just what happens. And, and as we go... And as we participate in that process, we actually find out we kind of like the person who's emerging better than the old one. It's surprising to us. There is more peace. Is there shalom, shalom, perfect peace? No. Not always, sometimes. But is there increasing amounts of peace? But if you are super gifted, talented, but you don't have the character to support it, 
well, that's a terrorist, like super analytical and gift, like it's just power being unwielded or being wielded in an inappropriate way and it just wreaks havoc. And we all have those places, it, if and when we're honest about it, that we have this power and influence and if it's, you know, stuck to the wrong kind of spirit, things can really get off the rails. And that's just another place where we need the Lord to intervene because he is praying for us prayers that we don't even know how to pray. So in this way, yield produces yield. Yield produces yield. That's the way the kingdom works. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He takes what little we bring to the table. And he always multiplies it because that's who he is. And yet one thing remains. What is that? Mm -hmm. And the greatest of these is God is reality. Therefore, now we're going to talk about something we haven't talked about yet. I'm going to give you another way of thinking about everything that we've just talked about. Okay? And this is actually my favorite part. Like way better than anything I've said thus far. So if you haven't liked it, get ready. It's going to get better, I think. <laughs> if you have, then, you know, I don't know what to say. But all right. So what I'm, what I'm doing is inserting these categories in your brain so that you can organize your thoughts in an effective way. And yet when that happens and you, some of you, I can, I can tell are, you know, thinking about these things, especially as it relates to your own life, which is really good. That's the point. But I'm, I'm not going to leave you just in um, the land of confusion because that's not um, kind. Clarity is kindness. Sarah taught me that. I like it. Clarity is kindness. Okay. Be, have, do versus do, have, be. Be, have, do versus do, have, be. Do, have, be. This is what we're familiar with from the moment that we take our first breath. I have to do something in order to ascertain something so that lastly I will have something that is primarily invisible. When we want something, really what we want usually is not, let's just keep, let's just bring up money again. We primarily probably don't want money for money's sake. We want it because it gives us something of more value, whether it's perceived protection or power or influence or people think something differently or better of us. So you primarily are wanting something that is not confined to sight, taste, touch, smell, sound. That was dicey there for a moment. I Do have be is fantastic marketing. Buy this kind of toothpaste so that you go have some nice breath. And then when you have that, you're going to be a desirable person. But you can't be a desirable person without buying my toothpaste. This is also another system that we're very familiar with because it is natural. Any ideas of another system that might be natural that we're all very familiar with? Let's think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's your name? <laughs> 
you know, Rebecca. Good job, Rebecca. We like to, we like to, let's see if I'm summarizing what you said correctly. We like to do things for God. And then what do you say? Versus doing it because we love him. So we, we are, we are people of action, are we not? We got to do something. I know that as intimately as I, I, it's hard to rest. It's hard to not achieve. It's hard to not produce some kind of result that I can be proud of so I'm not vulnerable and scared. Um, so the system, the um, invisible, but depending on how you interact with it, very visible influence is religion. Religion is form without power. And because we know power is simply influence, and we know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the meta-narrative of that discussion is that there are angelic beings and hosts that are created. They minister to God and they interact with us because I don't know why he did it, but we're the crowning achievement of his creation. Ah, uh, <laughs> you got to just go, mm, that's, it's just, it's pretty wild. And so as in the be, have, do, what religion, the value of what it offers us is it's super clear but it is mistaken for being powerful but it's a form but there's it's it's devoid of power because it's just brushing your teeth but yet in in different ways we all have interacted with this system and it's like i i could probably just show the matrix from here on out and it would be better than anything that I could say, okay? It, we, we, have, we have to unplug from this system because this is, this is the air that we breathe. It's the soup that we're born into. It, it is the power and the authority and the currency of earth. Who presides over earth? Some of you have really read your Bible. It's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's actually a great way to put it. So she what's your name? Kimberly. So Kimberly said it Lucifer, she's I don't know what the address of that one is, but he is the prince of this world. The right, the prince of the air, the the natural five senses world. So he has incredible influence right if he is in the power of the ruler he has incredible sway he has incredible whether i like this or agree with this or not i'm recognizing it as a as an invisible influence he has incredible essence the reading between the lines see where we're going so there is this power and authority that he wields unless and until it's just like in Ephesians, and yet we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but, it's verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy. So, but it doesn't have to be this way, is, is the point, and God has already meta-narrative, authored a plan before the whole thing started, and one of the beauties, you remember how 10 or 15 minutes ago I said the word confession and the first thing we think is sin, which is a part of it. Like that's, we, you, it has to be articulated. But who can finish this one? Out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. There you go. That was a test and you passed. <laughs> Peace be with you. See you later. Okay. <laughs> Point is, the, the, 
the value in the inner man and the inner woman in the secret place bubbles up into what? A wellspring of life that leads to eternal life according to what Jesus said. So he, and do you know who the temple is in the new covenant? You and me. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, this treasure hidden in a vessel. Okay, so these things are now starting to come together as we interact with this meta-narrative of the story of God, which has more value, and it is revealed. The only way revelation comes is from God the Father to God the Son, and in Son, I am including genderless, it's his kid, because a good dad, this is what Sarah taught me this morning, a good dad wants his kids to thrive. He wants his kids to grow, and yet growth in do have be is cancer. Cancer is a growth. It will eat you up and kill you. That's what sin, that is the fruit of sin and things that are apart from God. If growth is too quick, we're not equipped for it because we do live in a natural realm and there is character. We can have a really powerful boat engine, but if the boat can't withstand any pressure, then we don't have the character to support it. And that's all the stuff that we say that we want, but we really don't. Because it's painful and it's costly. And there is a trade when we do business with God. Something of lesser value that's confined to the five senses for something that is more valuable, that is eternal in nature, that he has put in us. What does the scripture say? It is, uh, I wrote this one down earlier, Proverbs 2. Uh, no, not Proverbs 2, Proverbs 25. Let's pull that up. This one has always confused me until I understand it within the context of what I'm explaining to you. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to seech, to search it out. That's ESV, so interesting color on it, is in the message. God delights in concealing things. Scientists delight in discovering things. Verse 3, like the horizons for breadth and the ocean for depth, the understanding of a good leader is broad and deep. Broad and deep, broad and deep, like because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and he has set you as a co-heir and to be able to understand that one day the sons and daughters of God will be in the authoritative place to even judge angels we must be broad and deep. <laughs> it's, it's just part of the package. It comes along with the marriage. And anybody who is married understands that, you know what, you find out all sorts of stuff that you didn't really think you agreed to, but it comes afterwards. It just does. And, and in that context, I'm actually not, that's not a slight to the spouse. That's a slight to you <laughs> and to me. You find all sorts of things. <laughs> Whoo, that was close find all sorts of things inside you, inside me, that you didn't even know were there when I expected God to repay me, which is never something I would ever confess to. We're going to get back to that. Never something I would ever confess to until I saw its fruit of I'm mad. And you shortchanged me. And I did what you said, and I got hosed for it. And now I'm behind, and I'm hurt, and I'm broke, by the way which are not things I like. And yet what God 
was doing in me and what he's doing in you is broadening and deepening you because the kingdom of heaven is more valuable. It is the pearl of great price. And for us to be able to even come close to absorbing and ascertaining that, yield produces yield. It must be received. And only a father can beget the son. It's passed through the process of being adopted into his family. He gives you and me new DNA to be a creature that heretofore has never been even seen on planet Earth. It is his nature in ours as that bubbles up into eternal life. And so what I would submit, I've said it several times, we're going to get back to confession. This is another thing Sarah and I were talking about. You should really not like too much because I like her, but you should just talk to Sarah about <laughs> some things because if, if, if <laughs> this is a really funny, <laughs> so I usually get asked to do this kind of thing because I talk for a living and, and, um, and so we were, you remember, you know where I'm going? That's, I love it when you don't know where I'm going. Um, so we were, we were both ministering to college kids. Um, our marriage stunk, and we were trying to both be powerful together, but we're very um, confident in our position, even if that position is completely wrong. And so it has taken a while um, for us to not kill each other and realize that actually that is of no benefit and then um, it is better for us to be unified so we were giving these talks to college kids and I gave my talk and I'm like <laughs> and then Sarah gave hers and then there was like these feedback forms after that she's laughing because she knows it's true this, the point of me saying this is Sarah is more valuable in terms of her insight on, on a lot of things than, than mine. And I've learned to deeply admire and appreciate that about her. But don't talk to her insofar as it interrupts how much I want to talk to her, okay? That's, that's where I draw the boundary line. The feedback that she got was like, mine was like, it was okay, you know, five or six out of ten. Hers was like the one that everybody remembered. And I remember being so ticked at that. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm like the talking guy, and everybody liked yours. And so, you know, we find these things in ourselves. Well, that's jealousy, and you don't know who you are, and it's competition. Anybody ever had any of that kind of stuff going on? So we, yeah, except for Brent. <laughs> that's right. Let's go talk to your wife. In two nanoseconds, she'll, she'll give us the real, real. It's, it's always like, it, you know, if you talk to somebody like, yeah, I'm a great dad. Well, you got to ask their kids. <laughs> like, not the, yes, I'm, I'm wonderful and pleasant in every way. Well, you got to talk to somebody else. It's their fruit, not themselves. So um, I'm, I am going back to confession. There is a part that is extremely true that we confess with our lips and we will be like we can probably most of us can probably finish the verse so that that is absolutely a part of it. We must lay down ourselves at the altar to receive as a son of daughter something better. And yet as we get broadened and deepened in these values and these invisible influences that affect them. Here's what I want you to see. If you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God has put his spirit inside you and that is the thing, it is bathed in the blood, that's the purchase price of why this thing is so valuable inside you and inside me. As we confess, I'm, we're going off of sin, we are now talking about you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. As we confess, guess what invisible influences are at play? Words create worlds. The narrative of the things that have been said to you that have been harmful and have not been said with the right spirit and have been said to me, and then, as we all know, the constancy of the ticking tape in our own mind 
about what is so, it's framing. It wants you. It's like the Lord, any Lord of the Rings fan. Okay. It's like the ring. It, 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 it yearns for you to live within its own narrative that is simply confined to the power and the authority and the prince of this world. Things like when Sarah and I moved here and I was 30 and I was walking down that hot street. With, okay, you remember that story? Up to that point in my life, the dog that hunted me, the narrative that I was living inside was that I was stupid. Now, that narrative never, and every time I say that, people are surprised. I never thought, why, why would I walk around saying, hey, you know what I actually for most of my life thought I was stupid? Like, you're not saying that. You're saying the good stuff. The fish was this big, you know, here all my success. Like, this is what we're telling people. You're not posting your failures on Instagram. <laughs> you're posting the good stuff. And yet, there's when, when sin grows up and has its babies, to your point, it creates these words, these invisible influences inside of our own mind. And one of mine was that I was stupid. That never showed up on a test. Um, that didn't show up um, in interactions with people. But as I was being broadened and deepened on that issue in that season, because God's always doing stuff, right? He's always, <laughs> as we co-participate with him, he is, it's like working your salvation out with fear and tremble. We're, we're always working on something until we are at a place of, of heaven, of perfect peace, and yet he says, on earth as it is in heaven. And so at that point in my life, I was 30, and I, I was so – have you ever been tired of the way that you feel about something? It feels like bondage. It feels shut down. Like why do I feel that way? Um, I started asking the Lord, and I went to somebody's ranch. They let me go, and they just let me sit there for an entire day. And my instructions were, bring your Bible, and God will show you the way. And I'm like, thanks, Yoda. I'm really, like, struggling here. I need someone to, like, talk me and, like, communicate something that's so amazing that I don't feel this way anymore, and I feel great. Well, it requires our participation because he is broadening and deepening. He is working out, and he, his desire, because he's a good father, and he wants us to thrive, and there is a mission for us to be wrapped up in that is larger than just our story. It's his story. There is this purpose. Without a vision, what? The people will perish. There's got to be a purpose because it is it's just not as satisfying if it's just my stuff so I go to this ranch and I'm sitting there and I'm annoyed and I want it I want the pain to be over and all of the sudden I um, I see in my mind's eye you know what it's like to see something in your mind's eye like you just kind of see it but you're not Invisible influence, the movement of the spirit. It's the glory of kings to search. Like part of it is this participation with him and this revelation that is bubbling up inside of us of the sons and daughters of God. And I see the word third grade in my mind's eye. And so I start texting my mom. I'm like, what happened to me in third grade? And she said, why do you need counseling? I'm like, I don't know. What are you about to tell me? Maybe I do. And she said, you know, that was the worst year of, of your adolescence. Um, uh, my parents had just gotten divorced. I was bouncing in between houses. I'm a great person to travel with because I lived one week with my mom, one week with my dad. 
College was the first time in 13 years I'd lived any place more than a week. So if you want to have a packing buddy, I'm your guy. Problem is, that creates tremendous flexibility, but it fosters a lack of depth. And those things, I mean, maybe just a little bit, have been identified in my own marriage. But, you know, that's for a later day. So I'm sitting there all by myself, and I see third grade. I asked my mom what was going on. That's what she said. And I sat there, and I just, it was like I exhaled. Like, what was that movie with Tom Cruise and that huge, um, like he's, a, he's like a huge dude. He's been in a ton of movies. It was an African-American guy. Anybody, um, dead Man Walking. Like the, that huge guy, he would suck the bad out of people, and then he would exhale this grossness. It's actually a really interesting, like talk about multiple planes. It's a great movie, Dead Man Walking. You don't remember that one? Thank you. Yeah. Is Dead Man Walking even a movie? Okay, Green Mile. How about this? Green Mile. That's better. I already told you. Like, you got to listen to her. So, Green Mile. It's like this exhaling of just junk. And, and that's kind of the picture of what I was doing. And I just, as I exhaled, I said, Jesus, what do you want me to know about that? And in that moment, as clearly as I am seeing you, he takes me in my mind and in my heart, because that's where the transaction was going on. And I am sitting in a desk in third grade because I wanted to know where was the root. Find and replace. Something of lesser value that is confined to all the stuff and trade it for something of more value. But it is tricky to find that it does take participation and it takes character and it takes grit. And there's hardship and there's suffering and there's tears. And I, am s and I see myself sitting at the desk in third grade. And I understood, which I had forgotten all of this, what happened in that moment. Because that was genesis for that lie. For that narrative for me to live in. And then... I said, Jesus, what do you want me to know about that? And as clearly as I'm seeing y'all, I see him walk in. The teacher is talking. He puts his hand over the teacher's mouth. She loses her ability to speak. Every time, I cannot get through this. And he weaves through the chairs, and I'm sitting there. And what had happened was the teacher's instructions were, when you get done with the test, raise your hand, and you can turn it in. Text. I rose, I raised my hand because I got done with the te test first. For whatever reason, she stood up and said, there's no way you finish that test that fast. Sit back down and finish that test. She was angry, kind of South Pole elf kind of a person. And guess what happens when you're at that point, I was 30, 31. So you discount like, hey, stuff happens. Like, oh, get over it. Do, do. Like, do have B. That's the word. Just get over it. Push through. Muscle up. Okay? But I couldn't. It was a narrative that had, up till that point, defined my life and my interaction. And then Jesus takes me out of that place, and he shows me a movie on my life. My first job, I was a sacker at Minyard's Food Stores in Fort Worth, Texas. I was 15, and I remember talking to some guy, and he um, was going to go from a sacker to a checker. He's going to move up, you know, and he asked me if I was going to apply, and I just said, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Text. You know what the subtext of that was? A ticking tape in my mind of that's too advanced for me. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. As a 30-year-old, you look back on that, like you couldn't figure out how to be a checker at a grocery store? But that's not what the invisible influences were. I was stuck in this narrative. 
and it manifested, talk about confession, the, like these things bubble, like the kingdom bubbles up and so does the junk. And we talk about it and it affects what we think, say, and do. And I was living in this narrative that I was stupid and I needed Jesus to find and replace that. So back to third grade, I'm sitting in that desk. Jesus walks in, puts his hand over the mouth of the teacher, and he weaves through the desks. And I'm sitting there, and he looks right at me. He looks right in my eyes. And he says, good job. And I yard sale lose it of release, of release of that thing where I had lived in this narrative. And he, I had to participate with him to find and replace, to live in a better, more full, more thriving. Now has the enemy, because I live in this world, has he brought that back to my attention? Of course he has, he's no dummy but it does not govern anything anymore. And now God is working on different ones. Like there are others that he is working on that I am participating with him so that I can be in a place that he wants me to be so that I can be more of who he designed versus how I have or the enemy has or a word has that has been misspoken. And from that point... I actually didn't believe that I was stupid. And what's crazy is I stopped saying stuff like, well, that's for all the smart people to figure out. I stopped saying things like, well, that's, that's above my pay grade. And I actually, because that's the nature, I'm starting to believe. Like, I actually started to believe that, you know what? If God is building this house in me and I participate with him and part of it is this confession of what is already bubbling up that he designed, that he authored in the secret place, which is this seed that is growing into a tree, I am actually confessing as an act of worship things that he has already done that there is no way that I can do. And as I do that, something more valuable is imparted to me because I am his son and I start to believe it, not just declare for empty purposes, I'm going to go do this or in heaven's name. It's like, man, you better be real careful before the Lord and before the angels and demons before you start interacting like that. Because if you don't have the character to support it, they're going to whoop you. You will get whooped. And yet, Jesus said, do not be fearful. I have over the world and so as we confess these things they actually in some strange way I don't understand I just know that it works they find these attachment points to his meta narrative and you are washed by the water of the word in John chapter 1 Jesus is the word that became flesh and he takes residence inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit so that as we do that we get where we're ending and then we're going to pray be have do this is kingdom you are transformed in the secret place on the inside so that your being everything starts with that posture that place in the secret another way to say that is source is everything source is the bounty that's him in that place. Then it's be, and then you start to have these thoughts and ideas that will surprise yourself in areas that have previously caused you pain and anguish and suffering and grief. Because you will have been remade on that issue he will have found something and you are earnestly participating with him to find it and when you are confused which you will be you're asking the person sitting next to you that you trust because you can't figure this out just on your own neither can I and as we confess these things our, our nature has already been transformed 
we are, according to George MacDonald, since we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. We must act out of it, and you can't not share good news. Like, that's what evangelism is. If you're experiencing it on the inside, other people are going to experience it around you. It's, it's like sitting in the front row seat at SeaWorld. Your Shamu will splash on you if you sit in the front row. You don't have to conjure up telling somebody about Jesus. You must first question if this is so wonderful, why ain't I experiencing it? And as that happens, you will talk about the Reformation in your mind, your life, your heart, your will, your friendships. You'll just, it will be naturally supernatural. That is the kingdom. Your nature has been transformed. We participate so that we have these different invisible influences. And lastly, the doing. That's just the fruit of the tree. You're probably hangry. It's almost 12.15. If I were you, I'd be like, you should have wrapped up five minutes ago, so I'm going to wrap up. So let's pray. Father, you are good. You're good to us. You've brought us into a place to receive who you are. And the audacity that we have is to be able to approach you and interact with you and receive from you everything that we need for life and godliness. I ask, Lord, that our thoughts be organized in accordance to what's valuable. Your kingdom, your will, your thoughts about us, because you tell us in the scriptures that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Give us the faith of the Son of God to believe in the Son of God that we may be transformed in the quiet places so that we walk in joy and satisfaction and that the natural result of those things that we are receiving from you is life, life, and more life, that death has already been overcome, that sickness has been abated, that strongholds fall down, simply because of what you've already done. Lastly, Father, we recognize before you that this is Palm Sunday, and we lay down ourselves and our lives and we recognize you as king hosanna in the highest in jesus name amen